Uh, So let's have God's Word open us up to Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll be reading from verse 19 to 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 25. And when you're there, please rise for the reading of God's Word. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 25. This is the Word of the Lord. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Father God, we do pray that you would speak your truth concerning your Son by the power of your Holy Spirit into our lives, that we would live and grow into the head who is Christ. We pray, Lord, that you would, by your Spirit and by your word and by your sacraments, affirm us today once more Lead us to repentance, lead us to Christ, and lead us to an assurance that cannot be shaken. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen. As we sojourn and pilgrim and walk our Christian faith, it's normal. Again, I'll say it's normal to face difficulties, doubt, and even droughts in our personal experience of faith. And it's in these times we ask ourselves as a Christian, what assurance do we have? In times of struggle, in times of doubting, in times of questioning our faith. The Bible says that the assurance of our faith only comes from God the Father by the way of the Holy Spirit as we are secured in Jesus. So when we are tempted, when we are struggling as we have sung before, When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Praise the Lord. Brothers and sisters, as we consider today's final topic about faith and assurance, we'll see that our faith, our faith is assured in the work and promise of Jesus. So the gospel message today, if you look up with me, is that our faith is assured in the work and promise of Jesus. So we'll begin by looking at the launching point of where we get this security and confidence, and then we'll look at three applications to which then we are encouraged to go towards So before you gasp at the four points, 
I promise. We'll spend some time at the launching point on why we are so confident and why we ought to be assured. And then we will quickly look at the three points of application as we are called to draw near, to hold fast, and to consider. So look with me carefully in verse 19 to 21 again. Let me read it for us. Hebrews 10, 19 to 21. This is what it says. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. And we'll pause there. So before we get into any of the application portion of let us draw near, let us hold fast, let us consider, we have to first understand what it means that Jesus is a great priest. We have to first understand why that is so important and why that gives us a genuine assurance of our faith during times of difficulties, during times of doubting, and during times of even spiritual drought. So it's been said that this section of the New Testament is in some ways the most Old Testament in nature. It tells us the significance of Jesus as the one who practically makes the bridge between the holy and unapproachable God and sinful human beings. I want to look at a little bit in the New Old Testament. I know we've shown this diagram before, but if you look the experience of worship and church as you and I experience it today was very different in the Old Testament. So very briefly, we know that the experience of church and worship itself was completely different than what you and I come and experience on a Sunday morning. In the Old Testament, it was something that we would probably not recognize. First, it was a tent that was established later on as a temple and Most notably and relative to today's point, there was a constant need for sacrifice, separation, and mediation. So we see here in this type of setup in the court, as we get closer to the actual place where the priest would make sacrifices and then draw near to God on behalf of the people, in the purple, there are curtains that have separated, that has marked and made boundaries signifying that only the priest, only a mediator can enter and intercede. We see that there was constant need, again, for sacrifices and separation and mediation, and therefore there was a need for a priest. Sacrifices were needed to atone for the sins that people committed, knowing and even unknowing against God. The separation was needed because sinful man could not approach the holy God. This separation represented here by the curtains. And mediation was needed because not anyone could just go in and meet and dwell with the Lord. And this was the ultimate role of the priest. He would make sacrifices and draw near to God. The blood of innocent animals were constantly shed. The curtains that separated God and men were strictly enforced. And no one could draw near to God without the work and role of the priest. What we see here in Hebrews 10, it tells us that Jesus is a great priest. 
And if you're savvy enough and if you've been around the Christian block long enough, you know that this is in reference to Jesus ultimately fulfilling all the priestly duties. That he's actually the one that brings us and God together where there's no longer a separation. That he's the one that not only fulfills the role of a priest, but he is also the sacrificial lamb that atones for our sins. Jesus is the great priest that has practically made a way for you and I at this age of the church to draw near to God freely, openly, and with full assurance. That's why we're told that we have great confidence to enter the holy presence of God. Jesus has practically allowed for this to happen. As he shed his blood and washed away our sins, as his body was broken or his flesh was torn, we're told in Hebrews as it interprets what Christ has done in reflection of the Old Testament way that this was indeed how the curtain, how the separation was torn, how now God and man could dwell together. You know, this would be a drastic change. I don't know if your children are like mine, but they know when something is a little bit different at church. They also go to the daycare here, and then they also go to church on Sundays, and they're very keen on noticing the difference of when we verge right and when we verge left. When we verge right, they're going to daycare. When we verge left, they know they're going to church. And in many ways, even in this time of the New Testament, even a child would be able to pick up that something is different. So to speak, I know it's a little anachronistic, but they would be on their way to church, and the child would be like, something is different. Why aren't we taking the sacrifices? How is it that we can go and worship God? Where's Mr. Levi? Don't we need him to like do certain things so that we can worship and not, not, not get completely obliterated? They would probably pronounce obliterated better than I just did. But a child, even in this context, would know that something has changed. And then the parent would have to explain to them, well, no son, no daughter. Jesus, as the great high priest, has fulfilled and done away with all of those old ways. We can now come freely, with confidence, with assurance, knowing that because of Jesus, our sins are forgiven. Because of Jesus, the curtain is torn, and we can come into the presence of God and sing and pray and worship and hear his word preached, take the sacraments, Enjoy fellowship with one another. Christ has changed everything. Christ has changed our whole entire experience of worship and how we draw near to God. And then the child would ponder, what's the difference then? Why is this so amazing? If they didn't understand the theology, then the parent would then explain practically that this means that there is no more separation between God and us. This means that because of Jesus, we can freely draw near to him and no one can separate us. And perhaps then the parent would go into Romans 8 and encourage the child who is to condemn us. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. They would say that Jesus is at the right hand of God and there indeed he is interceding for all of us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
They would assure the child as he grows or she grows that no tribulation or no distress and no persecution, no famine, no nakedness or danger or sword or anxieties or worries or pandemics or sufferings, that none of these things can separate us, that in all these we are more than conquerors through him who loves us, who shed his blood for us, whose flesh was torn for us like the curtain. Then as the parent is teaching the child, they too would be reassured of their own faith. And then they would say now in their own perspective, for I am sure that neither life nor death, nor angels or rulers, nor things present or things to come, no power, no height nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, there are so many times in our Christian walk where we may waver and wander, where we may doubt and struggle to know, are we saved? Will he keep us? Will he hold on to us? Does he love us? And the assurance we have in Christ Jesus is yes, that having completed the work of salvation for you, he now sits at the right hand of God making intercessions for you that he walks with you, that he draws near to you, that he will never leave or forsake you. No matter what the present circumstances may be, no matter what the past experiences have been, no matter what the anxieties and unknowns of the future may be, our assurance of our faith is secured and sealed by Christ and the Spirit. So then if this is true, If indeed our faith and our assurance is sealed in Christ, how should we live? And it takes us to our last three points. How should we live? Because it's not enough just to say, brother or sister or child, be assured that God loves you, that Jesus loves you. Now we have to train and grow in that godliness. Exhort and encourage. How are we to live then? Second point, let us draw near. Look at verse 22 with me as it's up on the screen. Because we have confidence in Jesus, because his blood and his flesh has made a way for the forgiveness of our sins and the curtain and separation to be done away with, we are then told by the author of Hebrews to draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. In other words, let us draw near with full assurance that we have faith in Jesus Christ who has made a way for us to draw near to God at any time of the day, at any point of our struggle. Let us draw near to God in His written word by the living word that was made flesh. Let us draw near to God in prayer in the name of Jesus. Let us draw near to Him in stillness and quietness. Let us draw near to Him with raging hearts and crying out. Let us draw near to him with hearts sprinkled and clean from an evil conscience, which means that even when we continue to stumble with sin and fall, that we can come to him still in repentance, knowing that his blood forgives, knowing that he intercedes. So we can come to him as the psalmist writes in 51, that we would hear the joy and gladness of his salvation so that our broken bones can rejoice so that we would have a clean heart and a renewed spirit so that the joy of his salvation would return so that he would open up our mouths so that we may sing aloud of his righteousness with the assurance of faith 
that doesn't depend on you, but has been sealed up with Christ. Brothers and sisters, draw near to God. Draw near to Him. Draw near to Him. Third point, hold fast. Look at verse 23 with me. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering that the work and promise of Jesus is all the assurance we need in the face of temptations, difficulties, and doubts, and droughts. Let us hold fast to his promise because he is faithful. He is faithful. Our faith, our assurance is secured because even when we are faithless, we are told, as Paul writes in 2 Timothy, that he remains faithful. Let us hold fast without wavering, with confidence, with hope, because he is faithful and he will remain faithful to us. Draw near to God, and even when you fear far, hold fast without wavering the assurance that He will remain faithful to you, that He will remain faithful to you. And finally, having drawn near to God, having holding fast our confidence, let us consider, look with me in verse 24 and 25, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let us consider how to encourage and challenge and walk with and cry with and laugh with one another. Let us consider how in these present circumstances we can continue to meet together in fellowship, in word, in prayer, in worship, and not to neglect the simple aspect of Christian gathering together as we worship and draw near together. Let us consider, ponder, pray over, meditate, reflect how we can stir up one another, build one another up, to love and good works. We're told here, let us consider all the more as we know that the day is drawing near. That is the last day when Jesus returns. Let us consider how to meet, how to struggle together, how to strive together. Because one day Jesus will return on that day, that day that is drawing near. We will no longer need an assurance of our faith, but the assurance that we have will come down in flesh and he would deem all his people. And as we talked about last week, what we would once simply walk in faith, we will now see with our eyes. So let us consider how to meet together, to encourage one another, to encourage and walk with one another. So inclusion, in conclusion, what better assurance can we have than to know that Christ will return and make all things new? That when he returns on that day, as we've been gathering and striving and reminding each other once more of Christ, that he will come and that it will be he himself wiping away every tear, that he would fulfill all the promises that he has made with us, that the work that he has done to give us assurance 
of faith will now be right in front of us and we will need assurances no more. Brothers and sisters, if you're struggling in your faith, if you're wavering in doubt, know that he is interceding for you now. Know that you can draw near to him with full confidence. Know that you can hold fast your confession in Jesus because even in the seasons when you don't feel faithful, he will remain faithful to you. That when you come together in the community, it's a place where you can be encouraged and stirred up to love and good works. So brothers and sisters, let us be assured and let us live in that reality. Let's pray.